When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. While everybody and their mother was watching the national championship game, and congrats to the Georgia Bulldogs, by the way. Big time 33-18 win over Alabama. LaMelo Ball was hitting the game winner. Little bit of a floater there going to the left over the outreached arms of his opponent. Hornets won six out of eight now. Three-game winning streak. Feel like we haven't talked about LaMelo all that much here as of late. So got to show him some love. Got to show Joel Embiid some love. Another 30-point game. Went to the line about 13 times. Talk about putting a team on your back. They are now fifth in the Eastern Conference. The Toronto Raptors, as mentioned last week, they're continuing to roll. They've won six in a row. Fred Van Vliet's doing incredible things. That's just, the Eastern Conference is just stacked right now. And maybe not stacked in terms of elite, but stacked in terms of everybody's competing. There are 11 teams with 20 wins at this point as we sit on January 11th, 2022. Recording on a Tuesday afternoon. What's up, guys? Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz. Here with Keeping It at 94 as a part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. What's up, Brian? Did you watch the national championship or were you digging into to some NBA stuff? Because I feel like I was simultaneously watching both and I saw both games there uh, and the nightcap, obviously the Cavs taking on the Kings, winning a squeaker there. Uh, and then obviously uh, Kyrie's second game did not go as planned and the Blazers ended up winning that game. So um, what are your takeaways uh, from from those and and what were you watching yesterday? I was flipping around a lot, but I'm, I do that all the time. I, I think I flipped around a lot more during the first half of the national championship game because it was kind of a slow moving game and everybody was kind of finding themselves in the first half. They you know picked it up in the second half. I think everybody. Those defenses kept, fly around, I will say. That yeah. Was, and I think everybody was a little bit more aggressive and opened it up on offense in the second half. I mean, there was obviously some nerves are getting past, but yeah, I like to flip it around a lot when it comes to uh, my channel surfing. So I I was checking out a little bit of everything. And, you know, you mentioned the Nets. What a wild week that they have had because with the uh, NBA having to adjust its schedule due to some missed games, the Nets had to play, I believe it was a noon game on Sunday, and then a makeup game that went, that was in Portland. So they had to go from Brooklyn to Portland to play a back-to-back. So they played at noon on Sunday, I believe, in Brooklyn, the early afternoon. And then they played in Portland the next night. And then now they're headed to Chicago to play on Wednesday night. So knowing when you do a back-to-back, you're not traveling, or at least not across the country, but... That's what the Nets had to do. And I give a lot of credit to their stars uh, because both of them said we wanted to play in the game. Yeah, and, and don't let KD hear you about the schedule. He's not hearing the excuses. I love that the consistent thing from him this year has been always the same answer. Everybody's asking him, do you see how many minutes you're playing? God, this schedule is is terrible. Oh, you've been missing your star the whole season. And he's just consistently met it with, you know, I got to be better, you know, stop trying to make excuses for us. Uh, I'll, I hope coach leaves out, leaves me out there to die on the court. Like he literally said that yesterday when he was asked about how many minutes he's playing. Cause he is, he's playing a ton of minutes back-to-back games with over 41 minutes. Uh, and he's just out there so much. I, he's averaging 37 minutes a game this year um, at the age of 33 after 
that Achilles injury, like, again, this is superhuman stuff he's doing. But to his to his credit, he's just taking it on and does not want any type of, of sympathy or any excuse for, uh, you know, why he's not, you know, um, said if he doesn't play up to par in some games, like he's just going to hold himself accountable. And that's what's awesome about KD. But, yeah, that's a wild stretch. That's a wild stretch for for Brooklyn to be on. And they've not been uh, at their best here of late, uh, you know, losing five of seven games um, and, and, and really, you know, kind of struggling there uh, on the on the defensive end of the ball. And we know that the, the Blazers have had their struggles, uh, but you know, big time ups to, to Anthony Simons, uh, a.k.a. Ant, putting up incredible numbers, averaging 24 and seven over his last six games. The guy that cost me my draft picks winnings last week for the podcast here, when I incorrectly said he would be under 19 and a half points, he had to go out and score 29 just to, you know, screw up my bet. So fine. Yeah. He had a 43 point outing the the game before that. And, you know, again, was huge against Brooklyn uh, on, uh, on Monday night. And actually our Nikias Duncan just did an excellent breakdown of what he's been doing uh, for the Blazers in the absence of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Uh, being utilized more as a playmaker. Uh, things are opening up for him. He is hitting threes off the bounce at an incredible rate. Uh, really, really awesome to see his development because, I mean, I remember seeing him at Summer League, uh, you know, a couple years straight, maybe even, uh, yeah, a couple years straight when the Blazers sent him out there, you know, as a young pup. He was only 18 coming out of IMG Academy. And, you know, his development, it's taken a minute to get him consistent minutes in the league, but now he's starting to get him because of these injuries and some of the COVID protocols and whatnot. And he's, he's taking the opportunity to running with it. Remember guys, he's only 22 years old. He's in his fourth year. That's pretty incredible. So definitely keep tabs on, on Anthony Simons. Uh, but yeah, Brooklyn, that's a, that's a crazy stretch for them. They don't uh, have shoot, any shooters you know, right now. I mean, it, with, you know, especially with games without well, Kyrie. Patty's gone cold and he, he yeah. didn't. I don't think he played last night, if I'm not mistaken, because apparently he's been feeling banged up as well, uh, according to Christian Winfield. Um, so he didn't really, uh, you know. Oh, wait, never mind. He did play a lot last he, night. He, he played, but here's the thing, though. Like, when he's not on the court and when Kyrie's not playing in games, they've got Harden, who's been up and down. He's been a little bit more up but he still seems a little bit off and you've got Durant and then without, you know, no Joe Harris, like LaMarcus Aldridge is banged up now too. Um, you know, Patty's playing well banged up. I mean, it really hurts when it comes to their, um, their offense because. Right. And they didn't, they didn't have beard last night with a knee injury. So yeah. And you know, that like, doesn't help. teams are just ganging up on Durant right now. Big time lift though from from Cam Thomas is that that rookie continues to to blossom a little bit there for Brooklyn. Cam will be happy to take those shots. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He, that was well, that was what he was like at college at LSU. That that dude would never turn a shot down. Right. He, he's aggressive as hell. Um, By the way, Spencer, you know what today is or what's coming up? What's that? We're only four days away from everybody in the NBA being trade eligible, except for Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> I love you said, except for Malcolm Brown, but because I'm sure there's there. probably somebody else, but uh, some of the players that uh, because of their offseason signing, some of them were available uh, for trade on December 15th. The rest will be January 15th. Right. And Unless you were extended that. at the beginning of the season. Yes. I think that is what it is. Yeah. So we're only uh, four days away from uh, some more players being eligible as uh, the trade rumors start to heat up. Uh, it, you know, they're saying that the, uh, the trade winds are starting to, to, to blow a little bit. And yeah, I mean, Alex Kennedy of, of basketballnews.com was even talking to a couple of executives there um, about the trade talk starting to heat up because of what's going on, uh, you know, after these COVID protocols, guys are starting to come back a little bit more. Um, usually the G League showcase is a place where these deals are being negotiated, but it wasn't so much the case this, this year in Vegas. So now that, you know, Guys are starting to get healthier. Um, you know, an Eastern Conference GM told them that there's starting to be some momentum on the trade market, uh, that uh, according to a Western Conference executive, that things are heating up 
uh, just by teams, quote unquote, starting to show their cards more. Uh, now, remember the deadline, you know, it's less than a month away. It's February 10th. Um, it, it, it will probably be an active trade market. What actually suffices, who knows? Uh, but it is wide open there in the standings. And you can tell, like I mentioned earlier, 11 teams with 20 or more wins in the Eastern Conference. You've got nine teams in the West with 20 or more wins. So it's been a competitive season. So maybe some of these teams would be like, hey, you know, we can get an extra chip. Someone like a Jeremy Grant or, you know, uh, even on Monday that uh, John Collins was talking about how he was a little frustrated with his role. Uh, you've mentioned consistently Danilo Gallinari. Uh, you know, the, the Pacers threesome we've been talking about for a couple months, Ben Simmons, you know, Terrence Ross or Gary Harris, maybe in, in Orlando, uh, depending on, you know, who they can pry out of there. Anybody who's been, you know, kind of, you know, either buried in a rotation or somebody that's trying to capitalize on value, Cam Reddish in Atlanta, for example. So these are, you know, some of the names that seem to be, you know, popping up a little bit. And I'm sure that we'll be hearing more and more as we go along. Uh, you know, newest news on the trade front, you know, the, the Lakers, Knicks, Wizards, and Blazers are interested in Jeremy Grant, the Mavs, the Knicks, the Lakers, and the Hornets have interest in miles Turner, the Cavs showing interest in Karis Levert, you know, so that, that kind of stuff uh, is going to be bubbling up. And I'm, you know, I'm glad you brought that up that January 15th is a day that, you know, pretty much, you know, what 90% of the league becomes tradable. So uh, it'll be interesting to see on that front if, if anything, uh, you know, heats up. I'm sure the negotiations are, are going to start to to begin here soon. We've talked about this before, but I'm really curious as we get closer to that trade deadline from the standpoint that not many teams have cap space this coming off season. It's very limited, so people don't expect there to be much in free agency. Maybe it would be more in sign and trade, but because of that. Would there be more activity when it comes to trades and trades now with teams saying, let me do it now rather than waiting to the off season. So I'm, I'm going to be really curious to see what happens because it feels to me like there's always going to be a lot of talks, but I don't know how much movement there's going to be. And I don't really think there's going to be big names move necessarily. Seems how it always is, you know, like, yeah. it, it's usually that blockbuster trade that catches you out of nowhere. Like at this time last year, when James Harden was traded in that four team blockbuster. Sure. That's that usually happens around like this, this time, not, you know, blockbusters. I feel like rarely happen at the trade deadline. If they happen sense. in the off season, they, they give you more yeah. time to put them together and different things like that. But yeah, before the trade deadline, I think it's very hard. So, but I, but maybe there could be, you know, a decent amount of trades. It just wouldn't be with bigger names. Like the big names would be in the off season. And like the biggest name now would be, like you said, like a Miles Turner, Jeremy Grant, something like that. Um, but we'll see because it, it's kind of felt like there wouldn't be that much movement this year. But um, because of, you know, what's going on in the offseason and with the way teams are right now, maybe some teams want to be a little bit more aggressive because there is so much parity in the league. Maybe they will be a little bit more active in uh, going after uh, players and being a little aggressive saying, let's go for it right now. Yeah. And I think that's probably the right approach too. Cause you know, you always want to be delicate with these midseason trades. I know, you know, fans are always like, how can I improve my team? How can I improve my team? Well, usually it's not by giving up like assets. It's not by selling the farm unless you're tanking. That's an understandable thing, but I think you can make moves around the margins and you make your wholesale changes during the summer. Like we said, like I don't like mid season stuff, mid season stuff. It, I feel like sometimes it rarely works out. It works out. If a team is going to be really aggressive, if it's a core piece, how about that? Like if, if it's if, a core if, piece, if a team is willing to be really aggressive to give you what you want for a piece. And on top of that, you know, a rebuild's coming. It kind of kicks in that rebuild a little bit more and it gets money off the books. Like, if you're the Orlando Magic, you're sitting going, why wouldn't I trade Terrence Ross? Like, money off the books. He's an asset. I think some teams might be a little aggressive in going after him. I believe he's in his final year. Go for it. Trade him. Um, even when it comes to the Magic, it's not a big name, but somebody that might have a little bit of a market is Mo Bamba because 
he's extension eligible. So there's that, you know, the Pistons, you know, look at, you know, they have the second worst record in the league right now. So, you know, would they want to get off that money of a Jeremy Grant and just say, let's, let's move them now. Let's get some assets for it. Especially um, after Cade Cunningham went on and did what he did yesterday against the jazz. Yeah. Trend, tremendous. You know, the Pacers, <laughs> you know, they're 13 games back, you know, you know, in the East um, overall, I mean, 15 and 26. So maybe, you know, and they've talked about, you know, We've heard rumors about them moving a piece. Maybe they will actually move one. You know, I don't think it's going to be like a wholesale change, but I could see them moving one piece. Turner probably makes the most sense in who they would move. But, it, you know, if, let, hey, let's do this now. Let's get the assets for them if a team is going to be really aggressive. And, you know, you actually need probably multiple teams to be really aggressive and get a little bit of a, a you know, war going on for, you know, that player services. But, you know, I could, there are some teams that definitely could do that. Even, you know, in the West, like, do the Rockets really want to hold on to Christian Wood? You know, if a team or two come along and say, hey, we'll give you this for it. Or even, um, you know, Eric Gordon, who has another year. I think he's got another year left on his contract. And then after that, it's only partially guaranteed. But maybe they want to get off that money and, and get an asset for him. You know, and he could he's played well. And he could be an asset to a team that's contending. Sure, sure. That that Eric Gordon contract is pretty hefty, even with the partial guarantee in the third year. Was so it he's 20? on the books for 18.2 this year, 19.6 next year, and 2023-24 is not guaranteed, but he's making 20.9 that year. Let me ask you this then, because, and I'm not the person that came up with this idea, but Bobby Marks of ESPN did. Would you be interested in an Eric Gordon for Ricky Rubio trade if you're the Cavs? Uh, with a pick, with a protected playmaker. pick. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. I think if the Cavs were to move that deal, and it's just this is where you hate the NBA being a business because Rubio's brought so much to that team, and I think it would ruffle you know quite a quite a many feathers there, including Ricky. I think Ricky would like to be back with the Cavs and it could do, be, it's just, obviously they wouldn't have his bird. But no, I'm just saying if they chose this route, sure. you know, you look at what Ricky's making this year, he's making 17.8, right? And he is, you, but an extension for him, he's not going to make that kind of money. No, and no, the mid, no. The mid level is going to be around 10 and you would think that's about what he would get. So if you traded him now, you could bring him back for the mid level. Absolutely. But the problem, the problem is though, it, when you trade, Somebody, you have the circumvention rule, so they can't sign back with you within that year. So that's the issue with bringing him back. Here's the thing, though. Um, I'm looking at, you know, if the personal matters are, you know, okay, uh, I'm looking at a Goran Dragic if I'm the Cavs. If that's what I'm electing to do with Rubio. If, um, you know, like Rubio being in a deal with, you know, another a uh, core piece, you know, possibly a Colin Sexton, possibly a Isaac Okoro, possibly a Dylan Windler uh, to acquire a Levert, you know, like those are the type of things that I'm thinking about Rubio and Terrence Ross's salaries pretty much match, you know, like if they're thinking about moving Ricky Rubio because of his value as a trade chip, those are the things I'm thinking about. Do I know that they're going to move Ricky Rubio? I don't know. Uh, I think it would send a uh, interesting message uh, about the NBA being a business to a lot of the young guys on there that depend on Ricky Rubio and look up to Ricky Rubio. It would, but uh, I think it would again, also send a message to the team and to the fans as saying, we believe in this team and we have a chance this year and we're going for it. Yeah, no, it would. It would. I don't think it's the right year to go for it personally. Um, I, I would think that organically growing the thing would be smart. Uh, but Hey, there's a re you know, they went out and got Rajon Rondo to do, um, you know, the things in Ricky's absence. He, he had a big time stop against De'Aaron Fox yesterday. Um, you know, has, has been pretty solid for the team in his appearances so far, but they, they're not, you know, done taking calls and whatnot. Uh, you know, uh, Chris Fedor, Cleveland.com saying that, you know, Joe Ingles is on the radar. Uh, you know, Dennis Schroeder is on that radar. 
even a Kyle Anderson from the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, don't think they would trade him, but that so that speaking is is the type of player that they're looking for. I think they need a wing. Um, well, Schroeder's definitely going to get moved guard. because the Celtics have underperformed so badly. And if they move him without taking back a contract, they can get under the tax threshold. So I don't think the Celtics are going to make a big trade. Um, I know there's been a little bit more scuttlebutt about breaking up the big two there, but I, I can't see it during the middle of the season. So, but Schroeder is definitely somebody that feels like he's going to get moved. It's just finding the right partner for him. And like I said, I, I think all they'll take back for him is like, I, they'd love to get a first round pick. I don't think they're going to get that. They'll get one or two second round picks. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And that's probably a hot, that's another one of those names that'll, you know, probably get moved you know like just, just just thinking out loud like yeah because i mean they want to get that money off the books and they know they're not going to extend him because he'll command more than six million dollars you know in the off season they're not going to do that mm-hmm. no question uh real quick do you want to talk about two small uh mid-major point guards that are just absolutely tearing the league apart right now i got a feeling who one is but please go ahead so one his name is John Morant. <laughs> you saw up close and personal that dude's athleticism. Uh, my God, that block. <laughs> Avery Bradley's got it. nightmares about that one, man. Holy it happened boy. 48 hours. You know, Avery Bradley thought he made a great defensive play, had the nice, you know, layup coming back, and Ja hustles back and gets the, the big-time block. Remember, that was after. That, that was a block. He caught the ball in air before it hit the backboard. <laughs> he really did. It was crazy. It was. It was It was nuts. The funny thing is about that game, and the thing that I'm noticing about Ja is when he's not having, like, an amazing game, he's closing that thing out. He's closing that thing out. He's getting it done. That dude plays downhill. He, is, he does not relent on getting to the basket. It's very, very fun to watch because he's just got that, that dog mentality, you know, like, and he's got, I mean, he like, let's not be, you know, Frank, let's be Frank here. Like he's getting a lot of help too. I mean, Desmond Bain, we've already been talking about how well he's been playing uh, since he's become a, a starter uh, this season. Like, but, but specifically like for the last, I don't know, two months, <laughs> Like since November 30th, 19.6 points, five, five rebounds, uh, a steal a game, shooting 46.5% from deep. Like the sample size is growing and growing and growing, and he's taking a sophomore leap. You don't usually see the sophomore leap. You usually see the third-year leap. You usually see the sophomore slump. <laughs> and he is he's putting himself in most improved player conversation at the moment this keeps up. So you have Desmond Bain. You have Jaron Jackson Jr. defending his ass off, having a really, really solid stretch here as of late and starting to look more and more like the Jaron Jackson we knew prior to those, those nagging injuries. You know, like during, you know, this, they have, they have a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine-game winning streak they're on right now. Um, in the last four, you know, Jaron's averaging 20 and seven. And, uh, you know, getting to the free throw line and, you know, we know him like quote unquote is like, like kind of like a chucker in a way, uh, the way that his, his jump shot looks, but he's actually putting it on the floor and he's using his left hand to hook shots and doing these little push shots and whatnot. And again, that defensive versatility that he's been putting on display has, has just been tremendous, uh, you know. The Grizzlies got some real momentum right now. And it all starts with John Morant, and he deserves all the love. He just won NBA Western Conference Player of the Week, deservedly so. Over five games, they went 5-0. and And again, they're on a nine-game winning streak. They are 28-14 and and right on Utah's tail for that third seed and are just continuing to, to ascend. Uh, but it all starts with Ja, and this dude's attitude is great. Love seeing how much he jaws with people on the sidelines. 
uh, whether it's players, whether it's fans. Uh, he just kind of has that that mean to him, that nasty. And uh, it's it's definitely manifesting in the attitude of this Grizzlies team that uh, is really just on the ascent. Like it's 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 really crazy. It's and it's really amazing crazy. the way that this team has turned around that season because it started on the defensive end of the court. And when Ja was out, that's when they really started to get it together. And people wondered like, okay, well, what's going to happen when Ja comes back? He comes back and he has been himself, this relentless energy ball and putting up amazing numbers. And the defense really hasn't struggled because of it. It's kept up. You know, I think there's still you know some room for improvement on that end of the court. But like you said, this team, it just kind of out hustles everybody right now. And Jay is, they want it so much more. And that's that all starts with job. I mean, he's the they guy. They don't wait to a, get hit. They do the they, hitting. That's, exactly. that's what we see. They're right out front. And, I mean, it all starts a job. That's what a leader's supposed to do. And, and you know, he does it out there on the court, man. He doesn't look like him. He's not a big guy, obviously. But he always attacks. He takes it to the teeth of the defense. He's not afraid of the big guys. He's not afraid of contact. He'll get bounced around a little bit. You know, that's, I think that's the one thing that people worry about is, is he going to, you know, get injured in there. But, you know, he's not going to change his game. This is who he is. He's going to be aggressive. He's going to take it to you. And you can see it when he's rolling. This team really adapts to that. And, you know, nine in a row. And like you said, they're on the heels of the jazz. And people are like, what is this? It's like this uh, this freight train that's that's coming down the tracks. No question. The other mid-major point guard that you probably can't guess is Fred Van Vliet. That was the one Wichita I was thinking State. of. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. You didn't think of John Morant? I wasn't thinking Murray of John for some reason. I was thinking of Fred. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Fred Van Vliet. Uh, the NBA's minutes played per game leader. He's playing 37 and a half minutes a game, averaging 22 points, nearly seven assists, and uh, shooting over 40% from deep. Uh, he has just been out of his mind lately. Uh, it's It's not only... The willingness to take the shots, it's the, the the shots that he's getting. He's making a lot of them off the dribble, uh, willing to take mid-rangers, gets into the float game, obviously, sets other teammates up. But, I mean, we know how much the the Raptors have been affected by protocols, too. Like, he's been whoever's been on the floor with him, he's been playing really well with. And that, I think, uh, is giving him a, you know, a, definitely a, a shot at, at being an all-star. Um have you seen his no, numbers again. over the last 10 in particular? Over the last 10. 30 and a half points per game, shooting 47% from the field, 45.6% from three-point range, and hitting 97% of his free throws, along with seven and a half assists and five rebounds. And and he's he's also been, you know, you know, this this bullying type on on defense. I know he's not the the biggest guy, but he's somebody that that'll get in your shirt and uh you know again sets the tone for this team has has been their leader all year i wish i've been able to more to watch more raptors games i really just haven't because they're always on at the same time as cleveland but i really need to check into a raptors game to see what fred's doing luckily we have nikaias duncan he also did a, a breakdown of, of fred van vliet recently uh, if you want to go read that on basketballnews.com but you know the, this team's definitely starting to find a little something um, and the, you know, they've, like you said, won six in a row, uh, three games over 500, right in the thick of it there in the Eastern conference race. Um, it's good to see Pascal Siakam starting to be Pascal again. That's been a that's, big part of that turnaround. I think, right. That's huge. Um, he's really been, been, you know, tearing it up here, just getting to the free throw line, putting it on the floor, drawing fouls. Crashing the glass. He had a 19 rebound game the other night against the Clippers. Um, you know, being the playmaker that we saw him be in the past that that you really didn't see uh too much of last year in that that down season when they were in Tampa. Um I, I really like what what uh Pascal's brought to the floor here. He's also averaging a, a solid minute load, uh, you know, 35 a game. So Nick Nurse is relying heavily on his his uh, you know his core guys and uh, they're getting the job done. You know, Scotty Barnes was, 
you know, dealing with a little bit of an injury here. Uh, has been a little hesitant of late. Uh, isn't uh, really, uh, you know, he's probably hitting a little bit of a rookie wall, but uh, he's always going to bring it on the defensive end. OG, you know, like this is a team, remember, not too long ago was <laughs> in a conference finals uh, against Boston. So let's not, uh, you know, or not a conference finals, conference semifinals. My my apologies. But that's why, uh, like but, before the season, I thought they were going to be a team that would definitely make the playoffs. I I think I even said they'd be top six. And I thought I was looking like a fool there for a long time. But, you know, this team is starting to look a lot more like the team I thought they were going to be. And, you know, they've climbed their way up in the East. And, I mean, that's not easy doing it in the East as well. So, no, no. You know, they're now 20 and 17. They've won six in a row. Um, you know, they're right behind the Cavs. I mean, because everything is so tight right now. I mean, they're only four games back of the two seed in the East. They're only and, three games back of the four. I mean, these aren't like lay down opponents that they're beating. Like, it's not like they've had like a super soft schedule. It's not like incredibly difficult, but, you know, they beat the Clippers, then they beat the Knicks, then they beat the Spurs at home. Uh, they were at Milwaukee when that game beat Utah, who's on a little bit of a skid now. Uh, and then they beat New Orleans, and New Orleans actually has been pretty decent here lately. So, yeah. and remember, they, I mean, beat, that's they, a beat solid... the, they beat the Warriors just before Christmas. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they, I mean, hey, a win is a win in the NBA. You take the wins where you can find them. No question. And, you know, uh, you know, I got a shout out OG, OG in the six game winning streak. You know, ever since they came back, they've been on the six game winning streak, by the way, they dropped back to back one, the embarrassing loss in Cleveland, but that was also with who knows who was on the team. Uh, and then they lost Philly. But once OG came back, they've been on this six game winning streak. Uh, he's averaging 18 points and shooting 40% from deep. So it's a team wide thing. But again, as I mentioned with the Grizzlies, Fred's had some help. And he's thriving and, and leading this team and uh, deserves a lot of love for sure. They've got a big stretch coming up here because they will play as we're recording here on a Tuesday afternoon. Tonight they're playing the Suns. And then they begin a stretch where they play eight games out of 10 on the road. So they've got sure. a big stretch coming up here and we'll see if they can keep this up. But um, they've definitely turned around, you know, how they've been playing. And that that's really good to see too, because just just everything they went through last year, like it's always good to see that. All right, Brian, I think it's time for our favorite uh, point of the podcast here. Uh, really, our favorite point of the podcast, where we just uh, lose. At least in my I, at least I, in my case. Yeah, at least in your case, not me. And so, yeah, I mean, I have a little bit better luck, but I'm I'm gonna blame you for bringing me down last week. And of course, this is our friends over at Prize Picks. You go to app.prizepicks.com. 100% instant deposit matched up to $100 with the with the code NEWS. So make sure you go to Prize Picks and uh, it's player props. So what we're going to do, it's going to go under or over any of these uh player prop numbers. I have mine set in stone. Can at we go over point, last week where you lost again because you thought Tyler Hero is going to get over 23 and a half. He didn't come close. He and took you had 23 shots, Brian. He took I, 23 shots in that game. You didn't need him to take 23 shots. You needed him to score over 23 points. You know, you I will take the volume. I, I'll bank on Tyler Hero. And you had Steph Curry as a push on assist, which is impressive considering that you didn't need him to go over five assists, and he had none in the first half of that game. And then he went yeah, out of tear. He did. He, he went on a tear. I, can I, I can I interest you in this, Brian? Okay, Tyler Hero, in between those games, on the road trip, went 16 points, 22 points, 18 points. I thought he was due, okay? But then the next night at Miami, in a, or at, at Phoenix, in a blowout, Hero scored 33 points on 12 of 20 from the field. You you weren't, uh, you didn't I have him on that I was three days off. You were, you were three days off. Mind you, Good I, Lord. I thought I was going to win because I had Draymond Green on the under, I had Durant on the over, and then I had Anthony Simons on the under, and it was looking good until about midway through the third quarter, and then he got hot, and I was done for. Mm. See? Doubt Ant at your own peril, sir. But I've got my three. 
I've got my three picked. Uh, I'm not going to break down what's going to happen. I just picked. I picked this week, guys, just blindly not caring about. Oh, that's the way you want to do your picks. Not caring. Yes. Not you have a dartboard you just threw at or. Uh, I am. I'm going a little darty, but I'm also going on low numbers. I'm going on yes. very low numbers. Uh, so I'm going in the same game here. Not going to even explain. Devontae Graham, over 13 and a half points. Jared Vanderbilt, over six and a half points. Those are two of my biggest bets. And then there's the third. Remind me what my third is. Remember, I was throwing darts. It was a uh, Kyle Anderson over two and a half assists. There you go. And Kyle Anderson came back with a roar against your Lakers. He looked really solid. Everybody loves slow-mo, but he had eight dimes in that game. 14 points, eight dimes, seven rebounds. He's a playmaker, guys. So two and a half, I think he can, I think he can get three assists. I think he can get three assists. And if you want to know my reasoning on Devontae Graham, I just think he's due. Uh, oh, go. Know, Here we go been, again. I think he's due. Okay. The last two games, three of 14 from the field, four of 11 from the field. Not very aggressive. think he comes out with an aggressive mindset tonight. I know that Patrick Beverly is going to be on his heels. But at the same time, I think Devontae is going to get his shots up. Oh, see, this is even better. <laughs> Patrick Beverly's questionable. There, there, there you go. He's missed two in a row. Maybe he doesn't come back. So there's that. Mm. <laughs> and then Jarrett Vanderbilt on the season averages 6.6 6 a game. That's one-tenth over 6.5. And he just came off of a 21-point, 19-rebound game, followed by or preceded by an 11-point, 16-rebound game. So he's been engaged. I'm all in. I'm all in on those three. So there's your three. Go so ahead my, for yours. And my three, I have. DeMar DeRozan tonight at home against the Pistons. I have him over 23 and a half points. The Warriors are taking on the Grizzlies. I was tempted. I was very tempted to take one Clay Thompson over 15 and a half, but instead I am taking at an over Kevon Looney over five and a half. He's on a stretch of four or five games where he scored at least six. He played tremendously against Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Yes. Oh, my God. he was He's he's an unsung hero of that team. And another guy that's been heating up as of late, that would be one Contavious Caldwell-Pope. The Wizards taking oh. on the Thunder. I have KCP over 10 and a half. So DeRozan, Looney, KCP, all on their overs. Bank it. Okay. All points, no assists, no rebounds. Okay. All right. So we're set there. Once again, guys, app.pricepicks.com. 100% instant deposit matched up to $100. Promo code news. That's price picks. Do we need to talk about Clay? Do we need to talk about how great, how exciting it was Clay. to see Clay Thompson back on the court? It was all it, it, like, I mean, dude, it's been like over two and a half years. So the emotion that was running through was cool. was a little bit confused by Draymond Green wanting to be in the game for seven seconds. Uh, I guess for imagery. That's his buddy. That's uh, their, their pals are tight. He wanted to be there. He wanted to be part of the starting lineups with him. That's you, why. That, that had a lot of, I know nobody gives a crap. And guaranteed Draymond doesn't give a crap and that's fine. But I just wanted to say, did you know the implications that had on betting for player props for Draymond that night? Oh, really? Oh my God. Same game parlays. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. That's huge. That's huge. But I mean, you watched golden state, the way that they played this all up and even even before, I think the Cavs actually did a decent job defending them. Yeah. Uh, like, well, one, I think that was really fun just because it felt like a playoff atmosphere with him coming back. And, you know, the the history between the Cavs and the Warriors kind of like drew a little bit of eyeballs there. I think. Well, go back to even before the game started. Like when Clay first hit the court, like the crowd went nuts, like in his oh, yeah. warm ups. And then, on to, and then he hit like his first 
Like he had like four or five shots in a row and people were going crazy. And he was just out there like in the zone. And then he goes back in and they do the starting lineups. And typically it's going to be Steph, you know, that's going to be the last name, but obviously on this name, this night, it was going to be clay. They did a special video for clay being back. And even just to clear it out even more, like the fourth name in the lineup as they're going through was was Steph. And Steph, even before they said his name, he had already like gotten off the bench and was through. And just the emotion on Clay's face as he sat there on the bench, he was you could see the intensity. You could just see how much he was taking in the moment and the crowd and the atmosphere and everything that was going on. And then, you know, gets on the court after the lineup and he just goes right into the stanchion, like full blast jumps into it. And he's like, I'm ready to go. And first time he gets the ball, he gets a driving layup. And it's just like, he's back. He Now he got cold the rest of the first half, but then the second half, he turned it on. And then the dunk, my goodness, that dunk. Yeah. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, I think he went in between, if I'm not mistaken, Larry Markinen and Lamar Stevens. He like went right in between them. I here's the thing. I well, one, I think Steve Kerr did a really good job of handling his return. You know, there's adrenaline as soon as you step back on that floor. And you, you see it. But he was firing them away, firing them away, but he was clank, clank, clank. Took so, 19 shots in 20 minutes. So Steve you know, sat him down there for the majority of like the second quarter and then brought him back in. Nerves calmed down a little bit. And then he started to to really pick it up. I think us seeing Clay put the ball on the floor as much as he did was was a little different than what we're used to. Uh, I think that he was really engaged um, in that game as far as, you know, trying to find where his teammates' spots were and, uh, you know, not trying to overly do it, uh, at least after that first, you know, few possessions. <laughs> um, but, I mean, he looked he looked like old Clay Thompson. I mean, obviously, he still has to kind of he'll, – he'll get even better, especially defensively. And, you know, I think they were very careful on who they matched him up with that night. But – like the shot looks the same. He's still getting oh, it yeah. off quick. I mean, he's still moving really well. And obviously he's got spring in his legs. He's been dying to do this. You know, he, he even said, I believe that like during the whole rehab, the last two and a half years, he hasn't dunked. And then he goes out there and he dunks <laughs> on what three guys in a game, you know, it's just nuts, you know, but I mean, he, he doesn't look like he missed a step. And things are going to get even better for him once Draymond's back setting screens and doing all the dirty work and stuff and freeing him up even more. Yeah, no question. And I think, well, one, it's really cool to just see Clay back as, as a fan. Um, but you guys got to go to basketballnews.com. Tom Thomas talked to Mark Jackson about it. And Mark Jackson gave his reaction on seeing Clay back. And uh, as we all know, Mark Jackson, Coach Clay, Coach Steph, uh, you know, had the infamous line about them being, you know, generational, that duo. It was really, really, you know, in-depth and, and really good stuff that that Etan uh, had in that conversation with Mark Jackson. So go to basketballnews.com for that. But, no, it's good to see Clay back, man. It's good to see Clay back. Uh, you know, we're starting to get some stars back here. You just mentioned Kyrie just played his second game back. Uh, obviously not as long of a absence is clay and not nearly the same you know drama around it <laughs> but it's still but good to see Kyrie back too it, exactly it's just good to see these stars coming back you know shoot we're lucky that KD's playing at the level he's at but we're just lucky he's back after what happened in that finals like it, it's it's it really makes you grateful for the game and i think that those guys who have ever had you know their careers you know, put on hold are, are grateful for that opportunity too. I mean, just, and clay is just so well liked around the league, but especially with the warriors, you know, he's, he's a goof. Of, he, he is. And I mean, he is, um, he's a goof. He is honest to a fault when he talks to the media and he's just a very low key guy that, that loves to play basketball. I mean, you, you don't hear a lot of drama about clay. You, um, you, you don't hear like, 
oh, what a, a weird guy he is or that something strange about him. He's just a guy that trains. He loves to play basketball. Um, he'll drink a beer after a win. Um, and in the meantime, like he rides his boat, you know, over to near the stadium and goes to the dog park, you know, with his dog Rocco. And, you know, just he's very approachable. He's very easygoing. Um, he's just a normal guy that that just loves what he does. I love the scaffold video. The scaffold so, video it's, is it's, it's incredible. amazing. It's absolutely incredible. But I mean, he's just so beloved out there, you know, um, on the West Coast, you know, with Warriors fans. But he's somebody I think that's deeply appreciated around the league. You know, people just people just love Clay and you know how hard he plays, how much he appreciates the game. I, I don't think he, you know, there's some people that can be not liked. I'm not saying everybody's going to be his best friend or anything, but you don't hear anything bad about clay. I mean, even before the game, I mean, obviously the Cavs are going to go out there and try to win, but like he has this big hug with Kevin love, you know, both working guys, you know, and stuff. And, you know, you, you and familiar see, foes. You know, and yeah. And everybody's just happy to see clay back. They, there's like, thank God, you know, after two and a half years, he's finally back. Uh, yeah, I think that's, it's really good for the NBA. It's really good for the NBA. Just a couple more things that I want to hit on, and then we'll, we'll get out of here. Uh, you know, you have on the outline about the Mavericks and their their six-game winning streak. Uh, they've won seven out of eight. Uh, and they're doing it with defense, Brian. They're doing it with defense. They are only allowing 93 points a game. I don't know what that translates into for per 100 possessions, but it seems pretty good. Opponents are only shooting 28.7% from deep during that stretch. So uh, that's been huge. Uh, there's also this little thing called Luka Doncic, <laughs> uh, who has uh, returned and, uh, you know, is starting to look like Luka. About and time. I, I, I am such a proponent. Uh, oh, yeah, Josh Green, too. He's been playing uh, really well. They're, you know, they're finally giving him some consistent minutes. And, you know, back-to-back games, he's at 18 points and 17 points. Um, you know, making, you know, big contributions, uh, all but one game that he's played over 16 minutes uh, in this stretch. So Lucas finally important. died to join the sweets. <laughs> is that right? Is that, that That's your observation? Well, I mean, <laughs> remember when he goes home, you know, in the off season, it seems like that's when um, he enjoys some of the, uh, the home cooking. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, that's over with now and we're in mid season. And finally, Looks like he's getting in better shape a little bit, and he's playing better after, you know, the injury that he had. And finally, the Mavericks are starting to look like uh, the Mavericks we thought they were going to be before the season. And, like, defensively, I mean, I know he's that. He's setting the, tables. He so is. Luke, Luke is. Luke is Lucas setting tables. He's not shooting the best since he's been back, but he's setting tables. Right. But, I mean, look at some of these games they've had. I mean, say what you will about the Nuggets, but they held them to 89. Um, the Warriors had a horrible shooting night against them, but, I mean, they got held to 82. I mean, 94 against the Kings, and they lost that game, or 95. But I mean, still, I mean, these, when you're talking about today's NBA, even bad teams are going to typically score over 100 points. It tickled my fancy when I heard his interview um, after their, their uh, win a couple nights ago that he called Dorian Finney Smith uh, the best perimeter defender in the league. <laughs> Oh my God, that tickled my fancy. I love it. Cause I, I'm, I, I like you have those, ira- those players you irrationally like. And, and, and Dodo is up there for me for sure. Uh, it, it's just, he's so perfect and star in his role. Like, I, I think he fits on any team. Um, he's obviously that prototypical three and D guy, but he can, he's been able to step up when they've needed him to step up. If Luca's been out, if KP has been out, he seems to just be the constant of this team. And you know what you're going to get from him every night, regardless of what his role is. Uh, I, I just en- enjoy that kind of player, you know, and he's, you know, 50% on corner threes this year. It's like, whew. uh, He's somebody that will really just kind of inspire your team, I think. Um, and again, it, it, it's 
it's in big moments that he delivers too. I think that uh, is is really sp- speaks to what he's able to do. Uh, you know, he's had 13 straight games and double digits. If that you know means anything, uh, 13 and a half points, five rebounds, um, 41.6% beyond the arc. Uh, you know, his plus minuses, if you go down, he has had two, three minuses. Um, the rest of them all, all on the pluses. He's averaging a plus 8.2, plus 8.2 in the box score over that stretch of 13 games I just mentioned. It's incredible. Yeah, no, he's one of my favorites, man. I'll be curious to see if the Mavericks can keep this up because they look so bad. And, you know, you expect Luka's offense to come around. And the West isn't what it once was. But we'll see if they can keep this up there. They're on a hot streak right now. And, you know, this feels... I was never somebody that really thought they were going to be like a dark horse to win the West, but you know, I thought they'd be more in the thick of it than they were like, like everybody else. And, you know, finally starting to put it together, you know, it's good to see him that poor Zingas has played better, you know, this year, obviously. And, and him and Luke, by the way, they've been doing this. Uh, he's been in health and safety protocols since yeah. the, the third. So they're, they're doing this, you know, without him. Um, you know, obviously Luca has been back, but he's also, Missed the game in between there too, like so. It's the other guys that are coming together a little bit. Yeah, and and you know what? One other team we need to mention too is the Sixers because like they've won seven in a row, and you know they've now crawled their way a little higher up in the East. And the way that Joel Embiid is playing, we keep talking, you know, like on a week to week basis, like like oh how open the MVP field is, you know. And we mentioned you know the Rosen last week along with you know all the favorites, like. You have to put Embiid in this conversation as well because this dude is just putting up like ridiculous numbers. And their seven-game win streak, he scored over 30 points in every game. He scored over 30 points in nine out of their last 10. I mean, he is just killing it. He is carrying this team. And that 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 goes to the whole thing when it comes to a Ben Simmons trade in that, like, I understand they want to get value for this dude, but, man, you are, you're only going to get so many years like this with Embiid, and it just feels like if, if you're not going to bet around, like get something to help this team as best as you can right now, not to squander these years. And, I, you know, as far as his individual performance goes, I'm looking at the free throw attempts, dude. Like He, he is just commanding respect down there. And guys are hacking away. And, and he's just making him pay at the line. Like, he had 31 points last night on 16 shots. And he only yeah. made nine of them. He was like, 13 to 13 from the free throw line. And then the game before that, he got to the line 15 times. You know, like, he is just commanding respect down there. We know what his game is. It's that beautiful, beautiful footwork underneath. But it's also that dribble on the floor and do the fadeaway, fadeaway pull up, whatever the hell shots he makes. Uh you know, I've gone on record on this podcast, I think even at this point last year, talking about how he's basically a guard in a, a big man's body, but he's also a big man. Like, he's he's just something else. And, uh, you know, the, the comparisons to, you know, between him and Jokic, who should be MVP and stuff like that from last year, they're starting to pop up again this year because both have similar records, both are similar places in their standings. I just appreciate the hell out of both of them and what they bring. You know, obviously Jokic is not as physical as Embiid. Embiid will put his shoulder down and dunk on you. And, but, but he also has the finesse to his game. Whereas, you know, Jokic is probably a better passer and a better, you know, setup guy in like dribble handoffs and whatnot. Embiid's just a little bit more in your face, but he also has that finesse element. Like, I, I really enjoy watching Joel Embiid play. I love watching him in the clutch, just doing a little shimmy and then shooting over the top of someone's outreached arm. It's just great. It's fun to watch. Uh, And he just has an exuberant personality. And he seems to be very focused this year. And a lot of people were, they were putting Philly down there in the the mid tier instead of that top tier. And I think he has something to say about it right now. He does. And like you said, I mean, (laughs) 
he has fun with it. Why does it? I mean, he's he's super serious about it, but he doesn't mind like uh, throwing a couple of little jabs in there and there with his body language or with what he says, you know. And he's not going to back down for that. That and I appreciate that. Like if you're going to do it, he's going to do it. You know, he owns it. And um, he, it's just you know when you talk about Embiid, he's been through so much when it comes to injury wise, and to see him playing on this level like he has the last couple of years. But I'll go back to what I said, like. You never know when something bad is going to happen. I mean, that's with anybody in the league, but especially when you're talking with a big guy that has a little bit of a history of stuff. And um, I, I love watching them play too. And I just don't want them to squander this opportunity. That's why I'm going to be very curious to see what happens here. And can they find a trade partner now? Or are they going to be patient enough to wait until the off season? I, I mean, I don't think this is going to linger around for multiple years, uh, but you know, it, it just feels like something needs to be done sooner rather than later. And he needs more consistent help out of Tobias Harris. You know, like Seth Curry's doing a, an excellent job this year on the whole. Um, Tobias, he kind of is up and down, I guess you could say. Um, you know, that's one way playing, to put it. They're playing a ton of, you know, fork on Kirkmaz, uh, and he's also inconsistent. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of that, uh, you know, Tyrese Maxey, uh, has been good this year and, you know, he obviously didn't play here as of late because of, you know, the health and safety protocols. He got put in those about four days ago and he hasn't played a game since, uh, you know, December 30th, but I, I feel like he's been, you know, the constant as has been the case most of the, you know, his career, but, um, needs a little bit of, of help there, I think. And, you know. I'm looking at someone like a, you know, Seth Curry that that can help offset that, but he just needs somebody to to step up and, you know, chip in along with him, like a Ben Simmons. Yeah, sure. Ben Simmons hey, would be a nice. That's fit. actually that's actually a really good note to end on, Brian, because you want to do your little parade because the the latest report is linking the the Hawks potentially to this to to Simmons, and that's something you've been mentioning here for a little while. Well, it just seems, you know, we talked about like the Hawks making a trade and we've talked about this for a while about if they're going to make a move, a consolidation trade makes a lot of sense from the standpoint they would trade, you know, do a two for one, three for one trade, you know, because, you know, just the way the roster is constructed and, and everything. I mean, this goes back a couple of months, but like I've said this, I know I said it last week, maybe I said it even before, like, hey, the Hawks would make a lot of sense, you know, as a possible trade partner. Uh, for the Sixers, as long as, you know, Daryl Morey valued like the pieces there, because we know what he said about I'm only going to trade Ben for, you know, a superstar and whatnot. And then since then, you know, Mark Stein has come out and said, hey, we're here in Romans, maybe, uh, maybe the Hawks and the Sixers, you know, Ben Simmons and, you know, some other places have, have said something about it as well. And um, you, you referenced the report that came out uh, this past week from the athletic talking about like John Collins might not be happy with his role Would John Collins, be somebody that Philly would be interested in, you know, um, as a key part of a trade package. I don't know. Um, but the I mean, irony of that deal, by the way, Oh, you know, that, you know what the, the, the Baptist uh, John Collins has that shirt when he dunked over a bead. Oh, <laughs> Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, so, I mean, We'll we'll see if something can be done there, but I mean, I've always said the Kings make a lot of sense, and I and I still think they do when it comes to to Ben Simmons, and it sounds like they might be a little bit more open to, to doing something. But we kind of hear that at this time of year every year with the Kings. Um, but your Sacramento Kings still yeah. still uh, you know open to the idea of moving one of Halliburton or Fox. I'm telling still you, open. I've always said healed. And, and uh, Halliburton would be the trade, but maybe, maybe it's Halliburton and Harrison Barnes, mm. maybe. But Atlanta possibly getting in the mix, like I mentioned last week, just makes it feels like it makes a lot of sense on both sides to me that they can make something happen. And and I think that Ben would be a great fit there because they've got they've got some offense. They they need some defense, man. And um, we'll we'll see if. Daryl likes the pieces there and they want to work something out. I think that's a smart, smart idea. It's a good stopping point too, for your boys here at keeping it 94. 
course, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Spin Davies. He is at Brian Fritz. I am on Instagram at Spin Davies. He is on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. We are part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Subscribe, rate, review. Do the same for the rest of our podcasts, such as The Dunker Spot. New episodes every Tuesday and Friday. The Alex Kennedy podcast with Alex Kennedy. The rematch with Aton Thomas. Dishes and Dimes with the ladies. And of course, Nothing But Bets, a daily gambling podcast hosted by Evan Sidery. Once again, please subscribe, rate, review. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. Do that for us. Do the same for those podcasts I just mentioned. And be sure to check out basketballnews.com. Brand new features, interviews, and analysis, and film breakdowns. You'll find it all right there on basketballnews.com. So do that. Listen to our podcast. Review our podcast. Help us out. And until the next episode, we bid you adieu.